Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Thank you so much for joining us. I am your host, Chris Torres, joined as always by my co-host, Mike Carter. Mike, how are you doing today? I'd be doing a lot better if I could find a shortstop for my little league team. Mm-hmm. Um, working working on that, but uh, as I talked about with you off air, you know we're gonna keep trying and put our best foot forward and uh, work on some fundamentals, which are desperately needed by the Batavia Youth Baseball Major League Dodgers at this point. So we're working on it. How are you, Chris? I'm doing good. You know, I was just telling you, I'm, uh, you know, we got another round of sickness going through my house. So my a little word. bit under the weather myself, but, uh, you know, comes with the territory with uh, two kids under the age of eight. So, uh, but doing okay otherwise. But uh, let's That's get right rough, to it. That's rough, man. That's rough. Yeah, yeah. It is what it your, is, man. Your beard is on point still, though, no matter what. So. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how sick I am, man. The beard will always be on point. You could always count on that. Fantastic. But, um, listen, let's get right to it. We've got a fantastic episode. We've got three amazing guests, uh, starting off with uh, Mike Wilner, first time uh, guest to the podcast. He is a columnist at the Toronto Star, host of the Deep Left Field podcast. And you know him as well as the former radio play-by-play announcer of the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to be talking all things Blue Jays with him. Uh, we also will be joined later by Chris Cotillo talking Red Sox, and you know him, you love him, Craig Mish. He will be on after that to discuss all things Marlins. But first, let's bring in Mike Wilner, again, a columnist for the Toronto Star. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Pretty good, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, uh, we are very excited to to have you on and to, to pick your brain here about what's going on in Toronto. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a little bit of a tumultuous season for the Blue Jays. Um, you know, they are right now in last place in the AL East, which, you know, is right above 500, to be fair. Uh, the AL mm-hmm. East has been that good this season. Um, but overall, I'd say it's been a little bit disappointing uh, of, of a year for this team, given the expectations going in. And several of their players uh, have underperformed this season. And three players that I'm thinking of specifically are Alec Manoa. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, and and maybe to a little bit of a lesser extent, Dalton Varsho. So my mm-hmm. first question to you, Mike, is which of these players do you think is most likely to turn things around and why? Well, I think Manoa and Kirk are likely to to turn things around just because the the um, the starts that they've gotten off to have been so so far below expectations. Although to be fair. Um, I think that after the All-Star break last year, Kirk had something like a 630 OPS and two home runs. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was the workload of the early part of last season catching up to him. Uh, and I do think he's certainly better than this. I mean, the guy's got elite, elite bat-to-ball skills. Um, but I don't know if he's a 15-home run guy. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly not going to steal you any bases. But I mean, <laughs> he, should, he should hit for a decent average at the very least. Um, Manoa, we've seen pitchers 
just have off years. And so far, everything has been wrong with Manoa. Two starts ago, he had seven walks, which was a career high. And even his last start against Baltimore was pretty good. He started off the first hitter three and zero, and had to battle back to get him out, and got a couple of calls like he, he struck him out on the five and zero pitch because he got a little bit of help from the umpire. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he was fine for for the rest of the way. But he's got to get his slider back, uh, and I think that's. That's the biggest thing, the command and the slider. But he's been so good for so long everywhere he's ever been. This is the first time he's gotten any sort of pushback in the big mm-hmm. league. And so it can take a little bit to come back from that. But I do think he'll come back. I don't. I think it's too far gone now uh, for him to get any Cy Young votes this season or anything like sure. that. But I do think the rest of the way he can be quite good. Varsho... Varsho's hit seven home runs already. So I expected him to hit close to 40 this year, but he's still on pace to hit close to 30. Uh, I think that there will be a run where he starts hitting really well for a little while, but I think he's an up and down guy. I mean, he's a guy who's mm-hmm. not going to hit for a high average. He's going to walk. He's going to hit for power. And he's going to play incredible defense. Mm-hmm. He's going to steal some bases, but um, I think he's doing what he's doing right now. And, and it, uh, it's, this is, I mean, this isn't as good as he should be, but there will be sort of, mm-hmm. you know, peaks, performance peaks throughout the season. But he'll probably wind up hitting about 240 with somewhere between 28 and 36 home runs. That's pretty doable. <laughs> I think most players would probably take that, even yeah. if they feel like it's maybe a little disappointing right now. I haven't felt that way too much about him. So, um, my question I have for you, um, Bob Bichette has been one of the bright spots on the Blue Jays, continuing to develop into one of the league's superstars. I drafted him very high this year, hoping for double-digit mm-hmm. home runs and double-digit steals, which seemed like a foregone conclusion. But one thing that's been a little disappointing from a fantasy perspective has been his lack of steals. He's only got one steal so far in four attempts. What do you think is the reason for that? And would you count on him running more frequently the rest of the way? I really don't know what the re- – I mean, like two years ago, I think, in 2021, he had 25 stolen bases and was only caught once. Mm-hmm. But then last year, the number dropped, and he was caught, I think, about half the time. Um, and so he sort of throttled back this year. I'm not sure why he's not running as much. I don't think it's to give Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been hitting behind him all year uh, a chance to drive him in from first. I mean, you you are in scoring position at first base when Vlad's mm-hmm. up. But I, I really don't know. And I haven't talked to him about stealing bases and success rates and, and all of that stuff. But I expected this year with the bigger bases and the disengagement rule for guys to be running wild. So I'm really surprised that Bo hasn't. Um, but with Varsho stealing bases and with Merrifield stealing bases, um, it's not like this team isn't running. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, you know, the weather heats up or his legs start feeling it and, and he starts taking off because when he's doing it well, it's a big, big weapon of his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything else looks great. I mean, it looks like he is taking that next step as really a superstar in this game. It is quite puzzling, though. I know from a from a fantasy perspective, you know, people who took him in that first round were expecting 20 to 25 steals at a minimum. You yeah. know, I thought there was a chance for even more given the mm-hmm. new rules. 
and how much it seemed that Toronto was going to be running um, just based on on their spring training numbers. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely been puzzling, um, especially like you said, he was so efficient a couple years ago and now just one for four. Um, I wonder if it's that's just in you know messing with his confidence a little bit or or what, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely um, you know hope to see more in that category moving forward. Um, another player, though this player was going much later in drafts, uh, that fantasy players were very excited about, especially players um, who are in dynasty formats. That is Ricky Tiedemann. You know he is the Blue Jays' uh, top prospect. Uh, he flashed in spring training. He looked fantastic, had a little bit of an injury towards the end of spring training. So Mike wanted to follow up with you to see where are things at with Tiedemann and what kind of timeline do you see for him to make it to the major leagues? Well, he got hurt again in double A with a, a biceps tendonitis, I think. Um, so he was shut down for a little bit. I'm not sure honestly, whether he's back yet. I don't believe he is. Um, But I I think even had Tiedemann stayed healthy, the outside was going to be 15 relief innings in August and September this year. And, and, you know, maybe uh, next year have a shot at something. But he only pitched 70 innings last year. And this year he's probably not going to get there uh, at this point. And he's only 20 years old. So, um, you know, I was saying all spring, got to pump the brakes on Ricky Tiedemann and he's a good, good guy to have in, in a dynasty situation um, mm-hmm. because he looks like he's going to be very, very, very good. But you guys know as well as anybody, right. That there's really no such thing as a can't miss pitcher. Um, but I don't expect Ricky Tiedemann to have an impact in the major leagues until 2025 at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from maybe a couple of starts here and there at the end of next season, depending on what his innings look like, or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they, they bring him in sort of like they did Aaron Sanchez 10 years ago and he starts in the minors, has a few innings left, comes up. That's what I thought they were going to do this year. Had he not gotten hurt, come up late in the season and work out of the bullpen and then go back down to start next year, build up the innings and then come back again. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't. I don't think we see Ricky Tiedemann make ten starts in the major leagues between now and opening day twenty five. Gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah. Makes yeah. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Do you see anybody else currently uh, in the minor leagues for the Blue Jays that uh, could make an impact this season? Not really. I mean, this team is so set, right? Yeah. There, it's it's not like um, there's a spot waiting for someone to come pick it up i would have said nate pearson but nate pearson's already up Mm -hmm. Uh, when you look at triple a you've got ernie clement who is just killing it for buffalo right now Uh but he's ernie clement right we've seen his (laughs) act in the major leagues before and i don't think you know he's gonna be taking a starting job from anybody um there uh there was talk about addison barger who is a really uh interesting looking kid uh, but he stubbed his toe pretty hard in April in AAA, and now he's hurt. Um, and it's the potential for Yasmer Zulueta, too. He's a hard-throwing right-hander who could come up and be a piece in the bullpen. But again, he's not going to be getting any saves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I don't think there's a real big impact guy. This team is is its major league team is is its major league team, right? 
Yeah, I, I was actually I was prepping for this podcast and uh, I was looking at the team and, you know, usually I want to try to kind of dig in and see where maybe there's some question marks, maybe some, uh, you know, positions that might be in flux. And like you said, everything is set with this team. Like they mm-hmm. have their starting nine. They have the rotation that I, I don't see a lot changing, like you said, uh, throughout the course of the year. Just uh, quickly, uh, Nate Pearson, since you brought him up. Uh, I know you spoke with him recently on your podcast, Deep Left Field. Um, what is, What are your thoughts on him long term? I mean, is he is this his home now in the pen, or do you see him transitioning back to the rotation? No. Uh, probably not this year, but you know, at some point in the future. I found it interesting that in that conversation with Pearson, um, which is the current episode of the podcast, everybody go look for it. Uh, he he seemed to keep that door open to returning to to being a starting pitcher. It's absolutely not going to happen. There is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would say, um, I would love to say categorically zero chance that he's ever a starter again, but obviously mm-hmm. uh, you don't close a door like that. But this is a guy who they tried real hard to make him a starter, and he just couldn't stay healthy. Right, uh, A lot of it was fluke. You know, he had that sports hernia in his first start in A-ball. He took a line drive right off the right elbow and broke it, and he was out for the rest of the season. Um, but there have been shoulder things. Um, he just he hasn't been able to be healthy or consistent as a starting pitcher, and he's a wipeout reliever. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, is, this is his home. Um, and I think eventually he's going to wind up being a really, really, really good setup man who will likely, if anything happens with Jordan Romano, get an opportunity to close. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. I think it's his, I think they finally hit the right role for him, it seems like. Yeah, too. Uh, Mike, um, Torres and I do a segment in our podcast, and something that you did really hit home for us, and wanted to have you talk up a little bit about that and also answer this kind of question about mental health. Um, I'm a special ed principal Chris is a therapist by trade. Your pinned, pinned tweet is an episode of Deep Left Field where you had a mental health roundtable with several high performers in their field. It was exceptionally well done and really informative. What's one thing that you're doing for yourself that you do to maintain your mental or physical wellness? Well, first of all, thank you for that. I'm really proud of that. We've had a couple of those uh, episodes where I talk to like Olympic athletes and professional other professional athletes and stand-up comics and stuff and and talk to them about mental health and specifically like stuff like anxiety and panic, which I've had Mm -hmm. issues with. Um, And also shout out to the special ed. My mom was a special ed teacher for decades uh, up here in Canada. So there you go. Um, What I did actually, I did it on Sunday. Um, I turned off my Twitter mentions and Mm -hmm. just didn't look at them. And because it's just the, the, the nastiness and the negativity can be so overwhelming, especially when a team is going through what the Blue Jays are going through right now. I'm very, very liberal with the block button. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like, um, you know, I've always felt because for the first, well, not for the first, but for 17 years, I was the pre and post game show host on the Blue Jays radio broadcast as well as doing some play by play. So I sort of felt like a responsibility to the people that I was taking the, the phone calls from to be as interactive with them as possible. And, and, you know, um, be sort of that, 
sounding board for them. But it resulted in a lot of crap that you have to put up with because mm-hmm. now that everybody has a voice, those voices are very often uh, pretty terrible. And so I think that occasionally you really do need to step away. Um, and, and I think that's been really good for my mental health. Another good thing for me is it's tried to spend as much time with my kids as possible mm-hmm. um, who are growing up and, and moving out soon. So, you know, um, I, I really do enjoy that and get outside. Mm-hmm. Um, just get outside, exercise, even if it's just a walk around the block or something like that, it can really reset you and just keep you centered because it's, it's tough and it's, it's, you know, it's not just a grind for someone like me who's working every day for eight months during the baseball season. Mm-hmm. It's a grind for everybody um, in sports or, or out of sports. And it's really, really important <clears throat> not only to to take care of your mental health. But I don't know. I feel weird saying this if Chris is a therapist who, who knows all this stuff. But <laughs> it's important to, to acknowledge it. Um, Absolutely. That's that's a huge thing that a lot of people just don't do that. They they uh, feel like they got to be tough or, or, you know, whatever. It's important to acknowledge when you're having struggles. And we used to have this thing up here in Canada called uh, Bell Let's Talk Day, Mm -hmm. um, which was a a one day thing put up by Bell Canada um, and where they would talk about destigmatizing mental health issues and donate a nickel for every tweet with a hashtag. But, you know, last year they did it. And then four days later, they fired hundreds of people and didn't offer them any. So it's gotten, it's gotten its own stigma, but on that let's Mm -hmm. talk day, uh, I started a tradition of opening up my direct messages on Twitter and just saying, whatever you want to talk about, because sometimes it helps to talk to a stranger or mm-hmm. someone you feel like you know who's in the public eye like me. Whatever you want to talk about, I will listen without judgment. And the the advice I'm going to offer is talk to a professional because that's what you need to do. And I've I've talked to like hundreds of people through that and and really helped both of us out, all of us out. So I think it's a, it's a hugely important thing. Uh, absolutely. And you know what? I think one of the things that's really cool about what you did is that it's really hard to kind of talk about ourselves in these situations, especially as men. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're expected to not talk about it. We're expected to eat it and just kind of keep moving on. So yep. kudos to you for what you've done with that and using your platform for that, because very few people do. And so we applaud you for doing that. And we thank you for doing that, because it's extremely important. It's, it's maybe the most important thing about our podcast is that We've had several people that have reached out to us um, on direct messaging, asking for help or resources, and I'm really proud of that. So, Mike, continue the great work. You're doing an amazing job, not only with what you do with the Blue Jays, but taking care of the mental health aspect of things for people as well. We really appreciate you. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that a lot. You know what? It goes back to that thing we were talking about about Springer, because he can say, hey, I know Matt Chapman is this good, no matter what he's hitting. But I don't know if he can say that about himself. And we're often way more kind to other people than we are to ourselves in this. And we talk, we we have solutions for other people when they have problems that we would never apply to ourselves. And, and we need to do that, right? We need to talk to ourselves the same way we talk to uh, friends who need our help. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll use that with clients sometimes, you know, it's just, it's such a, a simple intervention, but uh, it really gets people thinking, you know, I'll ask them, well, what, what would you tell your friend uh, if they were in a similar situation? And it kind of like, you know, gets them thinking and it gets them out of their own head and out of their own problem. And, um, you know, it, it usually becomes constructive. So, um, yeah, I mean, so much wisdom there, Mike. Thank you so much. Again, thank you so much for for what you do. And uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, I know you got to get out of here because you said one of the things you do to maintain your mental health is spend time with your kids. And I know Mm -hmm. you got to go do that. So uh, we're going to let you go. But thank you again. And if you could just tell our listeners where they could uh, find your work. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And and anytime I'm happy to do this and very I appreciate the the very, very kind words. So, so yeah, thank you. Uh, you can find me at the Toronto Star, which is thestar.com. Uh, go click on one of my columns and then subscribe to the paper so they'll know that I sent you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Wilnerness, though I don't promise I'll respond, at least <laughs> not, not now. Um, and you can find the podcast at Deep Left Field, wherever you get podcasts, every Thursday afternoon. And it really is... Um, you know, during the season, we take you right into the dugout every week. The next uh, show we've got has uh, Jordan Romano and Danny Jansen together uh, talking about stuff. And uh, Nathan Lucas, who got his first big league hit last week and mm-hmm. the Orioles manager, Brandon Hyde. So it's going to be a it's going to be a terrific show. Yeah, excellent. It's a fantastic podcast. You get you get everybody you get you get all mm-hmm. the. Um, you know, I know you had Kevin Gaussman on recently, so yeah, talk uh, about cinnamon buns, it was awesome. <laughs> yep, so uh, yeah, definitely go check out Deep Left Field. Thank you again, Mike. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, we will be back with Chris Cotillo of Mass Live. We are back, we are here with Chris Cotillo of Mass Live. You can find him on Twitter at Chris Cotillo, nice and easy. Uh, but Chris, you're, you're back on our podcast. We loved having you on the first time. We're so happy that you made the time to come back. How are you doing? I'm good. Anything for you, Chris. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> and Mike, well, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't hear that too often. Yeah, you know? no, no, that's, it's that's very rare in my life. Um, no, I was, but talking, actually, the third, I I was talking to the third person. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Even better. Yeah. Nicely done. Uh, I got to know Chris a little bit, actually, and I and I want to plug it now before I forget. He does a great uh, workshop, um, and you could find it on his Twitter feed. Uh, it's a it's a I think what was it four sessions of a sports writing workshop, which I actually took, and uh, it w- it was a great time. I learned a lot, uh, so I definitely recommend anybody who wants to advance further, uh, maybe as a writer um, or in the baseball industry. Definitely recommend signing up for it. So I just wanted to plug that. Go to Chris's Twitter feed and you could find uh, you know, his info and email him about that. But Chris, let's get right into it. Want to ask you a- about the Red Sox here. And honestly, I-, I feel like they've surprised a little bit this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I guess maybe for me, especially like I, I really thought this team was going to be pretty bad this year. And uh, they're hanging in there. They are, I believe, in third uh, place at this point. Um, the, the offense has been really good. The pitching, they've, you know, Chris Sale has, uh, gotten back to his old form. James Paxson has come back. So just, just tell us overall, what are the vibes right now, uh, in Boston around this team? Well, 
Uh, no one's noticed yet because they're too busy bitching about the Celtics who are about ah, to uh, yes. have Flying their season end here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll give you my one my one basketball take of all time is never build your team around a Duke guy like Jason Tatum. But um, that's, a, that's an know. excellent point, actually. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm a little biased in that regard, but I'll uh, <laughs> I'll stand by it. Uh, go Heels. Um, you know, I think that with the Red Sox, they have flown under the radar um, locally just because there was so much hype around the Bruins and the Celtics who you know, obviously both had, you know, disappointing playoff runs, but this is a team that has been interesting. They've been competitive and they've been, you know, relevant again. Um, last year, they got off to a horrible start in April. They had an amazing May um, and then, you know, kind of went back to average and then below average and then ended up cratering. You know, here, a pretty good start and they sit as we record this four games above 500. Um, as you said, Chris, the offense has been great. You know, you've seen guys like Alex Verdugo off to a hot start. Jaron Duran has come up and been really good. Adam Duvall for the week before he got hurt was excellent. Um, you know, they've gotten kind of production out of catcher that you'd never expect. Connor Wong, Reese McGuire. You know, Devers hasn't even been himself. So um, I think the offense, they really thought that it would be a different offense. Obviously, Yoshida has been a huge part of it. Um, you know, grinding at bats, getting on base, not striking out as much, which is something that, you know, there was a lot of quick innings last year, a lot of non-competitive at-bats. You're not seeing that on a night-to-night basis from this team. And pitching-wise, you know, the bullpen, I think, has really kind of rounded into form. You know, Jansen, other than the last couple outings have been a little bit shaky, but was dominant for the first six weeks. You know, they have a lot of guys at the back end of the bullpen with experience, which is something you couldn't say. You know, over the last few years, Chris Martin, you know, John Schreiber's hurt right now, but a guy who's pitched well for them. Um, and they're going to have a lot of multi-inning weapons back there, too. Cutter Crawford, Josh Winkowski have been good, really good. Nick Pavetta is now back there. So, um, you know, it's a staff with a lot of depth. And they're finally, I think, for the first time all season, going to be at full strength over the weekend when Garrett Whitlock comes back. So, you know, for this team, a team that's had so many injuries, you know, to you know Paxton missing six weeks, to Whitlock being on the IL now twice, to Bayo starting out hurt, Duvall, you know, getting hurt a week into the season. And, you know, there's random guys playing, you know, starting at shortstop. Pablo Reyes, a guy I'd never heard of, right? Um, Emmanuel Valdez has come up and been good. Like, they've been able to piece this together. It's a mm-hmm. more functional roster than last year. It's a team with more depth. Um, you know, there's, there's been some, you know, breakout performances, like I said, Yoshida, um, you know, Verdugo early, stuff like that. But, you know, they're just kind of finding ways, I think, to to grind. And, you know, as Chris Russo came on my pod earlier today and said, the team is feisty. I think that's a good way to put it, you know, leaving it him is. to be a, have a better way to say it than someone who covers the team on a day-to-day basis. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think that that's what they are. And they played really good competition. So, you know, they're not uh, the best team in baseball. They are not probably the most talented um but they're putting themselves in the position where they can be competitive and competitive before they get the reinforcements you know even before the trade mm-hmm. deadline they should have adam duvall trevor story other guys back and that that's kind of you know shows that there is a ceiling there i want to ask you more specifically about those reinforcements they've got several guys on the way back uh you mentioned trevor story Adam Duvall, whitlock coming back scheduled to start this saturday mm-hmm. uh adalberto mondesi so I, I guess if we could just quickly go through each one. Um, so starting with Mondesi, how how long do you think it's going to be before we see him back? This is the greatest mystery facing the Red Sox these days. This is a guy who, you know, they didn't give up much for him. Just a lefty reliever and mm-hmm. Josh Taylor, who's been back and forth between AAA and, and the majors. But a guy they thought had upside even with one year left. He has not progressed at all. He's not in game action. He's not, you know, facing live pitching. I don't think at Fort Myers he is just at a point where his ACL recovery has not, you know, gone as quickly as they thought, you know, he, he uh, had 
hopes at the beginning of spring training that he'd be able to you know get into games and maybe be ready for opening day. At this point, not even close. There's no timetable on him, and so I don't think they're counting on much out of him um, at this point. It, that's just a story of his career, man. It's just always right. he is so slow to come back from injuries. Um, right, really and so talented yeah. too. And I think yeah. that's the tough mm-hmm. part, you know, never reaching yeah. that potential. Absolutely. Trevor Story, do we see him uh, before the All Star break? I think right around then, you know, maybe yeah. to start the second half, something like that. They're going to slow play it just because, you know, the, the interesting thing about the procedure he had, the internal bracing procedure, is that. He's not the first person to have it by any means, but he is. This is not a Tommy John track where you have, you know, decades and decades of recoveries. This is a relatively new procedure. And so mm-hmm. there's only, you know, a small amount of data on how long it takes guys to come back. With that being said, you know, I think they're going to, you know, slow play it. Um, you know, he's gotten to a point. He's so athletic that they, you know, are very, you know, pleased with the recovery to this point, but they're still going to follow the map. He's hitting, he's fielding. Um, I think he's back in Fort Myers. He was home in Dallas. His wife gave birth a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, it's going to be a little bit here. I, I think, you know, July or August makes the most sense for him. And then, you know, you look at what they do up the middle. They've, they've you know, they're on plan F or G in terms of, like, <laughs> uh, up the middle options. But, you know, you have Story and then Kike in that mix. And Christian Arroyo, as I said, Valdez has played well. Even Pablo Reyes has played well. Like, they have some – they're going to have some options. And, and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Duval in a second. They will there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Duvall, I think, uh, I don't know if it was you or your colleague at, at Mass Live reported. It definitely I, was not my colleague, no. It was you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. It was All, good right. Stuff. All right. I, you know, <laughs> I know after taking your class that giving credit where it's due, that's so that's important. Right. So you had the mm-hmm. scoop. Um, yep. So I, I think it was June 9th, if I'm not mistaken, that we're looking at for Adam Duvall. Yeah, he is on the 60 day IL. You know, that's a product of. Um, you know, partially roster management. Obviously, when you're on the 60, you don't pick up a 40-man spot, so they put him there to clear a spot when they needed a pitcher, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, he can't come back before that date, and I think that's that's what he told me last week at Fenway, that he's targeting, and, you know, the wrist is healed. Now it's about building strength and getting back into baseball activities, and, um, you know, at that point, he will. You know, the big battle will be, at that point, does Adam Duvall, you know, go back to center field where Jaron Duran's been so good, one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Mm-hmm. Great problem to have for the Red Sox, and, you know, you have Yoshida and Verdugo around them too. So um good problem for Alex to have Alex Cora to have, but a problem nonetheless. Yeah, it's wild how that outfield has produced. And remember when we met in wintertime, we were looking at it as a big question mark. It's actually right. been one of the pillars of the team. So speaking of uh things that are pillars of the team, the Red Sox signed Kenley Jansen in the offseason to a contract and surprised a lot of people in that process. First few weeks he'd been pretty good. Last few outings, not as good. A 5'11 XFIP some issues going on there. If something were to happen and he was not uh, able to close due to injury or ineffectiveness, who do you see being the next man up there, Chris? I mean, I I think with him, um, you know, it's, he was so unbelievably lights out. He was throwing 99 at one point and get his 400 save, you know, striking everybody out. Uh, The velocity was up. Command was incredible. You know, the blip was, was kind of two wonky outings against St. Louis a couple weeks ago. And one of them, he was all screwed up. Wilson Gutierrez was baiting him into pitch clock violations by keeping a foot outside the batter's box. That got some run. MLB had to send a memo that you're not allowed to do that. I mean, it's a fluky thing, I think. You know, obviously the command has not been there the last couple, you know, outings. I think he walked to his last time out over the weekend in San Diego. Um, you know, I don't think they're 
the numbers, I think, look a lot worse, right? When it's May and the closer has only been in the game, you know, 15 times, 13 times, right. whatever. You give up three runs and your ERA is all of a sudden inflated. But, you mm-hmm. know, it was it was like a dozen dominant outings before that. So I don't think he's in any danger of losing his job um, anytime soon. Uh, if there were, let's say, if he were to get hurt, something like that, the natural you know, candidate, Chris Martin, the veteran guy who's been around and done about everything. And then a guy in Josh Winkowski who's been, you know, really a surprise mm-hmm. out of the bullpen for the Red Sox too. So, you know, those are a couple of guys, Winkowski and, and Cutter Crawford and Pavetta, you know, those are all guys along with, you know, whoever they're going to take some, somebody out of the rotation this weekend to fit Whitlock and whoever that is, whether it be Corey Kluber or Tanner Houck, whatever, you know, those are guys that, you know, have value as relievers because they can give you two, three, four innings. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen that time and time again from Winkowski and Crawford. So, um, especially with Schreiber out, some of these guys need to step up. But no, I don't think Jansen's, you know, in jeopardy of losing his job by any means. I think it's just, um, you know, again, a really wonky outing with the pitch clock stuff and then sure. just some some command loss as well. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, the Red Sox seem just to have a lot of pieces, you know, like especially once they get these guys back from the injured list, there's going to be a lot of moving parts there. Um, I do want to ask you, Chris, if there's anybody maybe in the minors or uh, flying under the radar who's maybe not getting playing time right now that you could see making a bigger impact as the season goes along. Yeah. You know, they've, they've kind of dipped into that triple a pool already, kind of the major league ready guys. I mean, you've seen obviously what Duran has done. Emmanuel Valdez is a guy who, you know, has really hit. I mean, some struggles, you know, defensively, which I know from a fantasy perspective does not matter as much, but um, (laughs) you know, he's, he's been their best performer at second base. You know, they tried Arroyo there and, Chang and TK and all those different types of guys at this point, you know, the, the, the reinforcements, uh, most of their prospects are kind of at the lower levels. We've seen a lot of these guys, you know, come up the last couple of years, whether it be, you know, Duran, obviously Casas has been struggling, but struggling at the major league level. And, um, you know, we've seen kind of this churn of relievers. I mean, the guy who, you know, is a, I would have said was closest to the majors from a pitching perspective heading into the year, Brian Mata. Uh, horrible start to the season, no command whatsoever, and now hurt at AAA, so he's not a guy that's going to factor in. A really fast riser up prospect charts, and um, you know, it's funny, they actually entered the year in terms of pitchers at AAA with Mata, Chris Murphy, and Brandon Walter, three other top pitching prospects there, and all of them really struggled to start the year. The guy that I'll be looking at, a guy who just got promoted to AAA, Shane Drohan, a lefty, a high pick out of Florida State a few years ago. He's a guy that I think you know, could really contribute um, just because um, he's been such a helium guy this year. So, you know, mm-hmm. those, that's really the guy I'm looking at in terms of AAA. David Hamilton's an interesting one just because he's yep. extremely fast. He's hit well at AAA, um, you know, but it does say something to me that they, you know, went with Valdez ahead of him and then they went and got Pablo Reyes ahead of him. Clearly, they don't think he's, you know, ready. But when a guy steals that much, he can change the game in that way. Um, interesting, too. But, you know, I think... I'm actually going up to Portland, double A to see those guys tomorrow. And you look at the prospects and like a lot of those guys are there at the lower levels. And that's just because, you know, they've already dipped into that depth pool at triple A so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it seems like Heim Bloom has, has been successful. I know he's taken a lot of criticism, but um, mm-hmm. he's built a deeper system, much deeper than they had uh, previously. And I think he's uh, proving some of his detractors wrong this year, especially, <laughs> You know, given that the big league club is is playing as well as it is. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff, Chris. Uh, we do have to wrap up. Um, we thank you so much for your time, taking a few minutes here to update us on the Red Sox. If you could just remind our listeners where they can find your work. 
Yeah, it's Chris Cotillo on Twitter and uh, MassLive.com and, and the podcast, as we said. New episode out with Chris Mad Dog Russo today, as if there weren't enough Chris's in the mix. And uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's the Fenway Rundown on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your pods. That's awesome. All right. Sounds good. Hey, say hi to Nick Pavetta for me. I know. Uh, I will. You. Yeah. <laughs> I will. All thanks, right, guys. Chris. Appreciate thanks. it. Chris, thanks, yeah. for having, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you. Now we bring in Craig Mish host at sports grid he's the guy you know him you love him uh he he knows the fantasy community craig thank you so much for joining us how are you i'm doing well guys thanks for having me all right so just wanted to check in with you on the marlins um and you know you were our first guest so that's right you know, you've uh you've always been so good to us and responsive uh, when we reach out. So just want to uh, say we appreciate you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time here. Um, the first thing I want to ask you about is, and I, I think this is at the forefront of, uh, you know, fantasy managers right now, uh, as far as those who are covering or looking at the Marlins, it's Yuri Perez, right? He is the big name, uh, the 19-year-old prospect who came up and has pitched really well so far this season. Um, my question for you, uh, Craig, is, what can we expect from him rest of the way? Uh, if you could put, uh, give us an estimate of how many innings you see Yuri Perez going, what, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And, and look, a lot of this is predicated on the health of Trevor Rogers. I think that once he comes back, I think that there's a bigger question to ask, which is, you know, will, worry, will Yuri stick in the rotation? Um, if you look at his career totals, he's really never thrown more than 70 or 80 innings in a season. Uh, I don't expect him to double that. So my guess is somewhere around the 120 mark. Uh, that would be a pretty fair estimate, I would say, which tells you that he's not going to finish the season with the Marlins since he basically came up in early May. So my mm-hmm. guess, guys, is that he is up for the remainder of this month. Mm-hmm. And especially in the fantasy circles, my my estimation would be once you see Trevor Rogers get back on the mound in any kind of capacity competitively, single A, double A, triple A, then I think the clock is on at that point mm-hmm. for uh, for him to go back down to the minors. And I think that he would go to triple A. Mm, interesting. Does make a lot of sense. Craig, um, I'm going to cut right to the chase. I don't really have a fancy way to ask the question. What's up with Sandy Alcantara? Yeah, it's a really fascinating story at this point because he just hasn't looked like he has in the past. I think that it's a combination of several things. I think the the one thing that I would point to more than anything else is the fact that his ground ball rate, uh, you know, really isn't where it was last year or even the year before that. I think that's probably number one. And the second thing is I'm not quite sure that he's, you know, made some correct pitches in big situations this year. It seems like he's thrown some very unusual pitches and He's been reliant more on his fastball than his changeup and his sinker, and I think that those things probably have to change moving forward. Uh, I think the Marlins recognize that too, and we're just going to have to see if things you know sort of normalize to where he was last year or the year before. But you know what, what? What's I guess more peculiar is the fact that he had that start a few starts ago. I guess it was in, in April against the Twins where he it was phenomenal, mm-hmm. and 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 how can he do that and and have sort of these uneven starts too? But we're just going to have to wait and see what happens and see if he induces more ground balls. He's been that six, four, three machine over the last yeah. couple of years. And yeah. it, it, it just hasn't been that this year. I mean, the data is there for you guys to see too. It's not like I'm saying anything that nobody knows. Right. 
Well, I think it's funny because a lot of people kind of tend to look at like, oh, is there a velocity drop? And those things all look about the same. So I think you hit a home run with what you just said. I mean, that's spot on. Not getting the ground balls that he's used to is really hurting him right now. Yeah, yeah the good ball. news is, is that, the good news is that some of this stuff I don't have to research. I can just, hey, say, what's going on? Somebody sends it to me. And it seems like I'm the genius here, right? It's always yeah. worked out that way. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's just gotten unlucky in some aspects. Looking at his yeah. left on base percentage, 59%, which is in average is usually around 75. He was at 78% right. last year. So I think once that normalizes, um, you know, we're going to see – that ERA go down, but yeah, definitely not what his uh, managers are looking for. You know, they, they spent a second round pick on him this year in fantasy. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a disappointment uh, in that regard. Uh, but one guy who wasn't disappointing uh, has been AJ Puck. Uh, and I know he's injured now, but I, I do want to check in on him to see where his rehab is at. And listen, Dylan Floro has come in and pitched really well in his absence and i know he had the job uh last year so i'm interested to know craig do you think that aj puck once he comes back is uh gonna be back to being the surefire closer there or do you think that dylan floro um has earned a share of that role moving forward yeah i I think maybe a combination of both you know schumacher tended to go to puck a lot in in most Mm -hmm. of the closing situations but you know, to me, with the injury, or at least, I mean, I guess it's more dead arm or whatever it is that they're calling it. But, you know, for me, more than anything else, I think that maybe this is a, a lesson here that Buck really was being overused, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. the one thing that Oakland did is is Oakland, in order to get him where they got him last year, he went on back-to-back nights five times in six months. And the Marlins already had used it three times back to back in the first mm-hmm. month. And I think that that to me is a pretty big signal that perhaps he just was tired and, and was overused a little bit. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't see them using him nearly as much starting when he comes back. My guess is in June or, you know, after Memorial Day, unless he joins them in, in California this weekend. I haven't heard that. So I don't know, but. I think I think you guys could be right. I think like out of every three save opportunities, maybe Floro gets one as opposed to none moving forward. Mm-hmm. That could very well happen. I think very easily. Craig, question on the, a Carter home favorite player here. My son loves this guy, Jazz Jazz Chisholm. Um, any word on when he's coming back? Updates on him? And do you think that there's any chance, based on how he was injured, that the Marlins reconsider their plan using him in center field? Yeah, so with with this injury that he has, this particular one, and he's had a few now over the years, but with this particular injury, this is a pretty serious uh, case of turf toe that almost, you know, his first opinion would require surgery, and then he would have been out until at least the All-Star break, if not beyond. And then the second opinion was sort of rest and recovery, and, and I think the hope is that just by the rest of recovery that he would be able to come back within that two month time frame that they have estimated. Now with jazz in particular, a person and a player that I like very much, he, he tends to look at his injuries as if he's going to be back the next day. And, you know, I, you know, I, again, you can go by a lot of the things that jazz says, and I have a lot of trust and faith in him, but injuries are just not the category that I would mm-hmm. <laughs> quite frankly, trust him in. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, last year he had a back issue and then he took batting practice at the all-star break and said he'd be back right after the break and he didn't play a single game the rest of the season. So again, I'm not trying to poke fun at jazz. He's my guy. I like him a lot, but 
when it comes to injuries, he, I don't, I don't, I'm going to trust the doctors at this point over jazz. So give me a two month timetable on jazz. He said he'd like to come back for, you know, in, in like three weeks or something like that. I don't see that happening. So let, let's call it uh, June at some point, maybe a month from now, we'll sort of reassess where things are at, but this could be, this could be something that, that holds him out maybe even further than that. I just don't know. So I'm not going to speculate. Now, as far as him playing second base when he comes back, that's not going to happen this year. But I do think that could happen next year. I do think so. Mm-hmm. But this year, mm-hmm. no. I think he'll play center field. Mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense. So sticking with the injury theme and someone you've already mentioned, uh, Trevor Rogers. Uh, you said to kind of look out for him in terms of when Yuri Perez might be sent down. So tell us, what's the latest update on on Trevor Rogers? I think he's getting closer to those minor league rehab assignments. If I had to guess next week, he does the first one, maybe two over the course of the week, and then a third one in the second week in June. I think he'll be back in two, three weeks. I do. So uh, Yuri Perez, I think uh, he'll start in Colorado. He'll start when the Marlins come back home. Mm-hmm. And then maybe one more, and and then that could be it. Uh, look, I, I know it's it's going to be very complicated. A lot of people are – especially if he pitches very well, a lot of people are going to mm-hmm. say, well, why – are they sending him back to AAA? But it is, it's strictly an innings thing with him. It's not a performance thing. So, uh, you know, listen, that could change. Maybe the Marlins just say, hey, you know what? We're going for it. We're keeping him up the whole year. Um, you know, let's Dontro Willis this thing. I mean, we've seen it before, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I think he's 20. He's so young. He's thrown so few pitches. It would be really short sighted not to keep a very close eye on mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. I can't Absolutely. wait to see fantasy baseball Twitter after uh, Johnny Cueto comes back and they send. Uh, you don't have to worry about out. that. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> no, is he is he done? Like, is he uh, not going to be back this year? I, I don't know. I don't I don't trust him at all. OK. Yeah. Yeah. OK. That's been a that's that's been a disaster, to be honest with you. In I mean, I sense? know he, I know I know he's hurt. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I know he got hurt again in the minor league game. But you know, he was—he just did not come to camp prepared. Mm-hmm. I don't believe he was fully forthcoming on his health going into the season. I don't mm-hmm. believe he was fully healthy on his health at the World Baseball mm-hmm. Classic. Mm-hmm. And 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 listen, if Johnny if Johnny Cueto wants to pitch in the big leagues in 2024, then he has got to come back at some point this year. But when that is, is anybody's? If I if I had to guess, he would pitch this year. I just don't think it's going to be anytime soon. See, that's why he was the perfect pitcher for the White Sox. Unprepared. Yeah, he would have fit right out in. Out of shape. Not yeah. ready. <laughs> he's, he's had a great career. I mean, in, yes, when, he it, has. When, it's, when it's all said and done, in terms of, especially mm-hmm. with pitchers from the Dominican Republic, he's he's on the Hall of Fame Dominican Republic list. He was fantastic right. World Series. And, uh, you know, he was awesome. But, mm-hmm. but, but you got to be careful of, of things like this. Guys at the tail end of their career looking for that one final contract. And and on top of it, uh, you know, I mean, he got I mean, he got the Marlins to to pay what they paid. I guess it's like six million or eight million. I think if we had to predict what Johnny Cueto, what would happen to him this offseason, you you probably wouldn't guarantee him a contract. I mean, you would probably say, hey, he's an NRI for somebody going in the spring training. And um, just, you know, overall, just a really unnecessary signing, I thought, for the Marlins. I thought they had enough pitching. Yes, Rogers got hurt. Yes, Jake Eater got hurt. Uh, yes, they've had to call up Yuri Perez a little sooner than they would have liked, but I would have loved to see them allocate that money to to a position player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. You know, I wonder if if part of it was the, you know, bring a veteran presence in, you know, be a stabilizing influence on the younger guys. I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah, but, yeah that didn't work. 
No. Yeah, but for a team with such few resources to work with, spending six million dollars on a guy that you probably don't need uh, is it doesn't seem like a, a great allocation of uh, of funds. But yeah, anyway. the only the only the only way you were going to replace Pablo Lopez was with Pablo Lopez. You were not going to replace right. him with with Johnny Cueto and. Right. Um, you know, they, that's, uh, you know, to say that he's been a disappointment would be an understatement. It's been, it's a pre- pretty massive one. Yeah. Um, sticking with the injuries, just wanted to check in quickly on two injured outfielders, Jesus Sanchez and Abisail Garcia. Uh, who do you think we see back first? Uh, Sanchez. I think Sanchez will be back at some, at some point. It looks like, like maybe during their next homestand. So, uh, you know, out this entire weekend, maybe back next weekend. What are your thoughts on his season so far? Because I feel like before he got hurt, it seemed like he was turning a little bit of a corner. We were seeing mm-hmm. a little bit more of the Jesus Sanchez we saw two years ago as opposed to last year. So uh, what, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> Excuse me. What are your thoughts on him moving forward? Yeah, I, I think he's definitely looked a lot better since he's been in the lineup every single day. And you know, we saw glimpses of this very similar, by the way. In, in April of, of last year too, and then things just sort of fell apart for him. So when he comes back, as as long as he's able to, I think he can have success moving forward. Mm-hmm. But the difference will be is you know he's had a really solid two weeks before he got hurt. And what's interesting in baseball is that when teams you know have this advanced scouting and they're preparing for you, and the catchers are sitting with the pitchers in the clubhouse before the game, they weren't necessarily looking at Jesus Sanchez up until about a week ago because he wasn't playing at all. Hey, Craig, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. I keep losing. You guys. Hey, sorry. I don't know yeah. Happened. Yeah. So we heard you were, you were talking about Jesus Sanchez and, um, you know, how, how teams weren't really, they didn't have to prepare as much for him as maybe some of the other hitters. Yeah, and, and I and I think that will be the key with him coming back. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I give him credit for the for the you know two or three weeks that he had that looked really solid. But he looked mm-hmm. really solid last year in April too. He'll have to continue that when he comes back, and and we'll see what happens. All right, all right. Before we get out of here, what's uh what's Luis Arias's final batting average? What's your prediction? Uh, I'll say probably three fifty. 340, 350, lead the league in hitting. He's fantastic. Yeah. The guy is he's so legit. Unbelievable. It's right. I feel like he's like the Tony Gwynn of, of our generation, you know, yeah. or this generation at least. So, Man, he's wild. Very cool to watch. Yeah, he's, but, he's been fantastic. Uh, yeah, yep. Really good, really good trade. You know, Pablo Lopez looks good for the Twins. Arise looks right. good for the, for the Marlins. It's rare that things like that work out to that degree. Win win. Yep. Surely is. So, Craig, we're, we're going to get you out of here. I know you got to run, but thank you so much for, for taking the time to join us. Always uh, enjoy speaking with you. If you could just uh, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and uh, where they could find your work. Sure. Over at Sports Grid, I'm hosting every day, 11 a.m. Eastern, on a show called Newswire. And you could just go to sportsgrid.com or download the app or watch it on any of your streaming devices and also doing some side work for the Miami Herald. Sorry my connection was bad there at the end, guys. No worries. no worries. All right. You take care. Thanks so much. Thanks, Craig. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. You too. Thank you. All right. That is going to wrap us up for this episode of the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Again, we thank you so much for, for listening and for all the support. 
Uh, we are going to be back next week with um, a writer for the St. Paul Pioneer Press to discuss the Minnesota Twins. So we're excited for that. We're going to forego our uh, fantasy follow-up segment today in the interest of time, but we will be back with that next week as well. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, on behalf of Mike Carter, I'm Chris Torres. Thank you again for listening to the Fantasy Baseball Beat.